Sona, this was a very nice day today. It was. Because uh, over here at our headquarters, we got this great gift, Tillamook ice cream. I'm a monster for ice cream. I know you are too. I want to take a bath in it and then I want to eat eat the ice in the eat the bath. Wait, what? I want to like bathe in it, yeah. but then I want to eat it as I'm bathing yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's a simple concept. You made it much more complicated. I know, I'm sorry. Fill a bathtub with Tillamook ice cream. I will get in it and then I will eat my way out. Yes, that's all okay, you need to there do. There you go. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have so many great it's such good ice cream and they have so many great flavors. I mean, just off the top of my head, I I don't know. Birthday cake, caramel swirl, banana split, caramel toffee crunch, chocolate chip, chocolate, chocolate chip cookie dough. I think there's butter pecan, cookies and cream, French vanilla, chocolate peanut butter. Malted moose shake, I think, is one. I can't remember too well. Mounted huckleberry, Tillamook mudslide, Marionberry pie, monster cookie, old-fashioned vanilla, Rocky Road, Oregon dark cherry, waffle cone swirl, peppermint bark. I'm, I don't, I'm just going off memory here, but <laughs> holiday sugar cookie, orange and cream. Anyway, so many great flavors and uh, just incredible. You know, they they really put, and they come in family-sized cartons. Mm. Also, you're in good hands with the Tillamook brand. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at Tillamook.com. I'm going to spell it for you. That's how much I care about this product. T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Hi, my name is Ray Romano. And I feel good about being Conan O'Brien's friend. I'm making an exception, though, because at my age, the only new friends I take are doctors. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are going to be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are going to be friends. Hey, welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. This is the podcast where I try to, uh, well, deepen my friendships with some people and uh, make friendships with people who I think probably don't like me very much. <laughs> Either way, I think it's working. We're making a lot of friends, which is which is nice for me. I'm joined by Sona Mofsesian, my trusty assistant. Hey, Sona. Hi, Conan. And uh, producer extraordinaire, Matt Gorley. Hey, Matt. Hi. You all right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> why do you? You just go, hi. Ooh. Hi. No, no, just more like, oh, hello, Conan, good to see you. Oh, hello, Conan, good to see you. Robot. Jesus um, Christ. We have a very exciting guest today, but I want to talk to you guys about something that thrills me to the core, and I'm being very sincere here. I've been on the air for 25 years now, and to celebrate that, Team Coco is rolling out an archive of my best comedy sketches, celebrity interviews, and stand-up <clears throat> comedy acts. And we've been talking about this for a while, and I've had fans say, well, when is that coming? Well, I'm here to answer the first part of that question. The first phase of that collection, The Remotes, launches today, March 25th. You go to teamcoco.com slash Conan25, and you can see over 350 remotes from all my years at Late Night and my years on TBS. Some of these are pieces are my favorite work I've ever done, like Old Time, Baseball Remote, Apple Picking with Mr. T. That's a goodie. You like that one? I love it. I uh, would have killed for this thing back in the day. Yeah, we've had a lot of people always say, how can I get this? How can I get that? Yes, there are some clips that have been floating around out there, but a lot of this stuff hasn't been seen in over 20 years. And the ones that have been seen on the internet are just VHS rips that are so bad you can barely make out my face. 
They're incomplete edits. Conan 25 clips have been digitally restored from the original master tapes. They look better than you've ever seen them before. Go to teamcoco.com slash Conan 25. You can go there today. There are 350 pristine remotes. That also includes Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, uh, Andy Richter remotes, Plus, don't forget the very first Jordan remote and all the Jordan remotes will be there. You too can watch them all in a row and wonder why hasn't Conan killed him yet. Mm-hmm. This is a real labor of love for myself and, and our team. We've been working on this for a while. As I said, there's a lot more coming. Celebrity interviews, sketches, stand-up comedy acts from 25 years starting in 1993. TeamCoco.com slash Conan25. Check it out. TeamCoco.com slash Conan25. And now, onto the show today. I am very excited that our guest is Mr. Ray Romano, one of my favorite comedians, a hilarious gentleman, and a kind soul. Ray, it's really good to have you here. Is that a real thing that you I, make You make friends with doctors? I don't make friends with them, but if a doctor wants to play golf, I might consider. If he has an MRI at his house, <laughs> then I'm going to take him golfing. Do you really um, like free treatment from people you know? <laughs> I don't need it free. I don't need it free. I just need, I need doctors, that's all. Hey, you're yeah, not yeah. that old. You I'm must not, be the same age about, I'm guessing. That's, but where, where are you? How old are you? I'm 55. Yeah, I had a big birthday last year. Ah, uh, the big 7 Ah! Um, so freaky. It's so freaky. Well, you look fantastic. You, you look good. You look <laughs> nice. good. And uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess something because uh, I've really admired you for a long time. Did you know that you're very admired by comedians? Is that going to make you uncomfortable if I tell you that? Um, Your I, reputation is... I don't is, believe it. Uh, oh. but, but, I, but I will say, as much as I... Uh, I, I look down upon myself and I'm uh, insecure. I heard I had a, I do I host a charity every year and one of the comedians last year said something like that. Said while she, while she was on stage said I had an offer to go to my birth my agent's birthday party and I said you know let's see do that or work with Ray Romano and it's just the first time I thought am I earning that or or so for a second I felt good but then I thought sometimes that just comes with age sometimes just with age. You get respect even if you kind of don't deserve it. Uh, not true. No? No. Give me an example. Uh, I can, <laughs> that's all I can think of is examples. <laughs> Plenty of uh, people as they age, uh, uh, you know, are, if they were not liked in life or not... Scrooge well, until he no. had the whole turnaround yes, with the ghosts, course. you know. <laughs> yes, I mean, if you're uh, a if villain, it, if you're a villain in life, yes, yes. yes. No, no, no. I am. I'm going to tell you that uh, that's very you. You're tough on yourself, but you have a reputation uh, as uh, as being a, uh, someone who works hard. You you craft your comedy. You really care about it being good, and that you're uh, a good person. You're a nice person. That's the. That's the word around town about you. I will give you a, a disclaimer for each one of those things. Okay. Uh, by, by the way, but I appreciate you saying that. And, and of course, part of me likes hearing that. I'm going to use my biggest word, dichotomy. You, oh God. you believe a little, but you, you also believe none right, of it. Right, right. Here's a story that happened just literally uh, an hour ago. I was talking to you. You asked me about the podcast, and you were concerned. And you wanted to know what's the theme you said, because you said, it's Conan O'Brien needs a friend, so there's a theme. What do I need to? And I said, no, 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 that's just a get it starting off point. We just talk about anything, but that's just starting off point. And, you, and how long is it? How long is it? And you had real concern. And what, no, Mr. Corley, what number is, is this This podcast? will be uh, 19, number 19. Number 19. No one else has given a shit. Not one person. <laughs> Everyone else is just like, oh, it's a podcast. They don't count. And they put on the cans and they sit down and we go. You had real concern. That is unusual, well, I, especially I, I, for someone who's achieved what you've achieved. I'm just, I'm just pointing that out. That but you are, I don't know if you do. You really believe that they don't care about it? They part of the podcast is to keep it loose and not not care, but to have it be carefree. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I, I I think it comes from insecurity. It comes from not being, you know, feeling bad, not doing a good job. Yes. Um, I don't, I don't want to name drop. I don't right. want to name drop now. Okay. But I did tell you I was at Adam Levine's birthday party. 
So I was thinking of what can I give him as a gift? Not that he needs a gift. So I thought of an idea. I go, I told my wife, I go, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll write a note saying, uh, hey, happy birthday, Adam. Uh, don't you hate people who wait to the last second to get a gift? Anyway, happy birthday, Ray and Anna. And I was, I was staying at the Hilton. Give him the robe from the Hilton. <laughs> right. So I thought of that idea. Right. And, and I said, that's it. That's it. But then I thought the note, that's not the way to say it. And I'm not kidding. I, there were nine drafts yes, of the list. Yes, of course there were. Of course there but were. But I don't, you might be like that. I am you, like that. You, I, that, I can relate to that. You want to get it right. You want to get the comedy right, the the, the music, the rhythm, you know, the yeah, whole I thing. I want to get it right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the funny thing is that there are things that really matter, and then there are things where you're just goofing around and it's uh, a quick joke and it shouldn't matter. What I can relate to is I don't have a good, I can't switch off when I care and when I don't care. Meaning, oh, well, there now I'm hosting a big event, so I really have to care, but this is just a joke I'm leaving for someone at a, at a birthday party, so I don't have to care. Uh, I'm that way about giving a little wedding toast versus doing a, a performance that maybe 10 million people might right. see. I sweat the wedding toast just as much. Yes. I don't have any... There's no oscillation. There's no variance between yes. the when big someone, thing and the small when, thing. When, someone's, when someone wins at an auction, you leaving their outgoing message on their answering machine. You know, I, I offered to do that for somebody. I'll record, hey, it's Ray Romano. You've reached Susie Murphy, you know, blah, blah. I, it takes me 15 tries till I say, no, that's not good. That, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. And it's because I don't want to let that person down. And I also, it's a reflection of me. It's, right. yeah. I did a, uh, I was in New York City a couple months ago and a friend of mine had a charity. So I went to perform it and I forget the name of the club, the name of the place it was at. It wasn't at a comedy club. So, you know, those, those restaurant things that have uh, comedy, they're hit or miss. But yeah, I'm Ray Romano, so I get, I get a little leeway up front and the, but it didn't go that well. And I, and I thought, uh, you know, I, I think I got this. I think I know how to ease into my material. It didn't go that well. I left, but everybody was happy, blah, blah, blah. And I was going to go home. I had an apartment downtown. I'm going to go to the apartment. And I was driving, and I couldn't go home. I had to go to the cellar and drop in and do a set. To get it back. Yes. <laughs> that's, get it that's back. At your stage. Yes. This is how long this ago? This was six months ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> and you know what? It, it, <laughs> yeah. uh, okay. That's but, um, but And the seller is like, <laughs> by the way, the yeah. seller is so such a sure shot, but that's a risk because let's say that one didn't go well. Then it's too late. There's no other club open. Well, then you the can never day. see your family again. Then you just travel the world <laughs> yeah. until yeah. that is. Uh, yeah, well, it's the old saying. You're only as good as your last whatever, right? I uh, think a lot of people also don't understand uh, context. Sometimes people say, just get that person who's funny to come in here and be funny. And yeah. it's going to be great. And sometimes for charity things, you show up. It's taking place in a big museum. Yeah. And there's like dinosaurs, I mean, giant brontosauruses assembled. Yeah. And the tables are all on the side of the room. Mm. And the room's the wrong shape. Yeah. And you're not really getting the right introduction. And I'll start to say that to the person at the who's running yeah. the charity at the Museum of Fine Arts or something. I'll be like, or the Museum of Natural History. You know, maybe, be, and, and, and they just go, oh, no. Getting a comedian is like getting a plumber. When there's a problem... With the pipes, you get a, a plumber. When you want laughs, you just get the comedian. You want to say it, it doesn't work. It doesn't it, yeah. work. And if you put me in the wrong context, you get up there and no one's listening and they're eating yeah. and the sound sure. isn't right and uh, things are echoing around and it yeah. feels awful because, you know, maybe you do okay, but. But especially if you're the big attraction for that night, you're the. We, we've got Conan, you know, and then it doesn't go that well. I, I did. Um, that's a hypothetical, by the way. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, that's a pure hypothetical because yes. it's that, always gone very that's well. Science fiction. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, so. <laughs> uh, but um, my, you know, for school, my wife would offer me up to these fundraisers for our school. And I did one in the gym at, at the school we were at. And I was like, well, why? You know, and it's in the gym. Thank God it really went well. They set it up as best they could, <clears throat> and it went well. A couple years later, again, my wife says, um, they're having a fundraiser. It's at the the Canyon Club. You know, you guys know where that is? It's on Canaan Road uh, off the 101. Anyway, it's it's a rock club. 
first of all, I was just annoyed. Not annoyed, but I'm like, why did you offer me? Why don't you ask? And oh, yeah. it's whatever. And it's the parents. It's the parents of. Yeah, know. but you you said not annoyed. You were annoyed. <laughs> you were annoyed. <laughs> well, first of all, it's the parents of the student of the people I'm going to see all the time. I'm going to see them every day for the next ten years. <laughs> right. Um, so that's horrible in itself for, for to do stand-up in front of. The second, it's at the Canyon Club, which is for rock. So it has a bar on this side, a bar on that side, okay? And then, which is fine for, for rock and roll, okay. And they're going to have all the chairs in the middle. So then I th- then they want me to do 40 minutes. I'm like, I can't, I can't do 40 minutes there. Um, so I get Brad Garrett, who I did stuff for his school. Mm-hmm. I get him I got to return the favor. I go, Brad, can you come and do 15 minutes? He goes, yeah. I don't know if you've, you, do you know, how good do you know Brad? I don't know him well, but I see him around and a uh, good man. Beautiful man. One of my best friends. We used to tour together and by the third show, I told him we have to switch it. I have to go on first because he's Don Rickles. He's Don Rickles, you know, without the warmth. Yeah. He's, no, <laughs> no, he is. He is. He is, but he just breaks the wall. He goes crazy, whatever. So I, t- I said to Brad, I remember being backstage at this place. I go, Brad, do you think you could do material? Just do 15 minutes material. Whatever you want, Ray. Whatever you want. He gets on stage. Zero material. Right away. Where do you get the boobs? Boom. Yeah. And it's killing with half of them, and half of them are appalled. But half of the guys are cragging up, and have, but it's just... Uh. Yeah. All right, so I get on stage, and now I got to do 25 minutes, whatever it is. If I'm being honest, on a scale of one to ten... It's a, almost a seven and a half, which right. is in front of people you're going to see for the next 10 years is like a three. Yes. You, right? Yes. Yes. So I come off stage and, and it's just a weird feeling. And, you know, Andy Garcia is pretending he liked it, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's a great actor. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I told my wife, it, it was so, and this is only, you know, I've, I'm, I guess this is seven, eight years ago, so I've been doing stand-up for 25 years. Yep. And this hurt so much, because now i got to see them the next day and all that and whatever. And I just told, I told my wife, I go, the next time they're having a fundraiser, I want you to listen to me. I want you to please ask them how much money they expect yes. to raise. Yes, I'm going to write them a check. Yes, <laughs> yes. Because I'm not doing it. No, I always want to give them the, can I just do that? Because I would rather lose all my it's money, worth it. everything. It's worth it. and yes, yes, yes. Now, you were, you were part of an esteemed group. We had uh, Stephen Colbert. Uh, was was on the podcast uh, not long ago, and you're in the same club. Guys that somehow uh, applied to write for me and oh, yeah. didn't and <laughs> didn't end up getting the job. Was that him too? Yeah. Stephen Colbert. Yeah, you're in very good company. We keep racking up these names of amazing people that tried to write for me. Do you remember? We, Do you remember we, it? Uh, I don't remember. We had a sit down. We had a little thing. We yeah. had a sit down. Yeah. And I don't know. Do we have a spot at the time? Do we? Ha- you wanted to write a monologue joke specifically, didn't you? I, I, don't I think, think so. so. I think I remember Louis C.K. was on staff, and yep. and he's he was my in, and he said. He tried to speak to somebody, and then he said, write, some, write, write about 10 bits, you know, whatever. And I guess they were monologue. Yeah, they probably were monologue I think you were jobs. up for a monologue yeah. job, yeah. Yeah, and then we met, and we talked, and it was fine, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> now, you realize, I, uh, I don't remember, I, I just don't, it's I, been so I many years. I don't blame you for not remembering it. I don't remember, yeah. and, and it's, but you have to admit, you dodged a bullet. I mean, you, <laughs> you, and, and I said the same thing to Stephen Colbert, like the worst thing that could have happened to you would be to get that gig. That would be the worst thing that could happen to you because, yeah. you know. you. Not, I guess there's a couple of those. There's a couple of those things that had I gotten that, then this doesn't happen. I have those, you know? yeah. yeah. I have ones where I desperately wanted to, desperately, the one job I wanted more than anything in the world was writing for David Letterman on the old on the late night show, and I got really close, and, and I thought, this is my destiny. Didn't get it. Thought, well, my life didn't work out. Yes. I think I was 26, and I thought, well, my life didn't work out. <laughs> and then I got a job at Saturday Night Live, and then because I got to know Lorne Michaels, that led to the whole late yeah. night thing, and here I am, but I was convinced that there's the road that goes towards good life, right. and there's the road off to the left that goes to bad life, uh, and I'm on the bad life road now, uh, and- um, And look what happened. <laughs> yeah. I have a couple of those. I have, 
Uh, I got fired from news radio. Oh. I, I was in the original cast of, of, of news radio. And I saw Jimmy Burroughs yesterday in, in Cabo. I don't want to place drop. But, um, <laughs> but I was in, I saw Jimmy Burroughs who directed news radio. And on day two of rehearsal, and again, I was just a stand-up, and I, and I went out to read. I hadn't had much acting experience, experience at all. And I got this role. And my wife and I were going crazy. You know, I was live. We had three little kids, and I'm, I'm out in LA filming the pilot. And it was going to be eight thousand dollars an episode, and we were adding it all up. And day two of rehearsal, the phone rings in my hotel at six a.m. And I, I kind of knew right away because I wasn't feeling it. I kind of knew uh, I'm gone. You know, and sure enough, it was my manager. And but Jimmy Burrows, I saw him two nights ago, and and we brought it up because he was the, the director and he fired me he was the one who told the network this this guy's not cutting it and so we laughed about it and he goes I made your career and I made Lisa Kudrow's career because I fired her from the pilot of Frasier yeah mm, right right no it's yeah. just going around yeah it was four months later I did Letterman and then we signed the deal and that's where and Raymond then, uh, from. and then everybody loves Raymond is how many years on the air uh, nine years, 210 episodes. Um, but who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting because this is just me making my observation. I don't know you really well, but I think I know you. And I, and, and I would say, I would hazard to guess that that level of success would alter some people. I don't think it's probably had any effect on you. My joke that I tell is... Uh, before all this, I thought my cab driver hated me, and now I think my limo driver hates me. It's, it's kind of all... I, I really think about that, though. I think, you know, I, yeah, I, I was in therapy before all this. I, was, I had my issues before any of the success. It's kind of... I don't think it's gotten worse, but it hasn't gotten less. You know, I right. just... I'm I'm doing what I love to do. Financially, I'm okay. I can I can see a better shrink, um, but no, it has. It's a shout out to your old shrink. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I, I uh, one shrink died on me and another retired on me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you have trust issues now. Yeah. No. I don't know. That's the thing I'm. I try to explain to people. Well, what about yourself? You don't think? You, I think the same's for you. Too, yeah. I, I don't. I honestly. I've had very good friends of mine who I knew yeah. uh, well thirty years ago, and of course, when I got the show, they had to go. <laughs> um, no. I my my friends and my family have all said, "Nope, you're the exact same person." Right. Other people are going to think you've changed. Pe- people outside may think you've changed. People but, who didn't know me well. Is that what right. you're saying? Yeah, people who think or think you should have, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. Right. Yeah. We just did this. Uh, I toured with these other comics, and I think it was Ron Funches afterwards was saying, "That's so strange that you're you're nice to everybody." <laughs> and I mean, I, this sounds like I'm. Uh, what is it? Humble. What is it called? Oh, when you, humble, humble bragging. Brag. Humble, humble brag. brag. And 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 it, and I'm realizing in this moment that it is. It sounds like I'm just saying this. I'm just trying to illustrate this point that he noticed that I was like, oh, you're 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 nice to the waiter and you chat them up, or you're nice to the the person who just works at the airport, or you're nice to this, you're nice to that person. And I thought that he was working towards a compliment. He was like, I was it's interesting to see how nice you are to everybody. And then I realized, wow, Conan really is that insecure. <laughs> I thought, oh man. Okay. He said he said Conan. Yeah, he said, yeah, he said, I realized that you were that insecure. Yeah, and I think right. that was I do like to think I'm trying to be nice to people, but, but I also But part think, of you thinks Yes. Yeah, go ahead. It's insecurity and it's also karma, right? Yes. A little bit of that. Yeah, I get the same thing where, because I'm, in other words, I'll give you, I'll give you, this is an erotic story, is like crazy. Erotic? No. <laughs> I thought he said erotic. No, neurotic. Now, just hearing yes. an erotic tale with your voice yeah. would be so hilarious. Oh, boy. She slowly yeah. removed her black. <laughs> I don't do a Ray Romano, but no. just you doing an erotic tale. I do. I actually do my only impression. I just, I just work with Dana Carvey, who does all the impressions. Yep. And we do a Q&A after. And, I, and on stage, I said, I do one impression. It's a Jay Leno uh, having phone sex. Hey, what are you wearing? That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> but here's an example of that story. When I, this is before, before the TV and the fame. Living in Queens, 
t- I, I leave my house. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's f- uh, five degrees out. And I see an old, I'm driving. I see an old woman by the bus stop. I, I keep driving past. And then I think, it's five degrees. This woman's old. This She's waiting for a bus at 11 o'clock at night. This is a possible dangerous thing for this woman. I right. go, let me go around the, I go, I got to go around the corner. Let me go around the corner. And I pull up and I roll the window down and I say, uh, are you okay? And I, I, she's startled a little. You know, who's this weird guy? I go, and she looks at me like, and she's a little scared. And I go, it's very cold out. Are you okay? And she goes, oh, yeah, 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 I'm okay. I go, okay, all right, I just want to make sure. I pull away. And then I think, I just startled an old woman in five degrees waiting for the bus. What's going on? Is she palpitating, whatever? <laughs> so now I got to go around again. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Just to, I just want to make sure she's okay now. Right. And I drive by, and she sees me again drive by. So now she thinks I'm this freaking crazy guy driving by. So I just had to kill her. No, I didn't. No. But, but, but my point is, why was I doing that? Am I that of much of a good Samaritan? Or is it like, because that's the right thing to do. And if you don't do the right thing, to, then something bad is going right. to happen to you. It's the old concept yeah. that uh, there's no such thing as a selfless act. You know, that if you are going out of your way uh, to help someone and be kind, you are getting back something from that. And uh, that, yes, there is no such thing as complete uh, selflessness. Is that some of that might be true? But I I give myself credit, and I'll bet you can give yourself credit for this also. You also, there is a little bit of you that likes, you don't have to because this person maybe isn't even aware of you, but you like making, I don't want to say little person, I don't want to, it sounds demeaning, but feel better about themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. I like if I see the guy who's kind of looks lonely and and, and, and just socially awkward, I like to to let him know that, you know, I I see you, man, I recognize you, and you're there, you know? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think that, in my case, I think some of that comes from, you know, parenting, religion, the way I came up, but also just that, I was insecure as yes. a kid, and when someone was kind to me, it meant everything. I think if I had been very secure in my place in the world when I was a kid, or I had been like the captain of the football team, or I had just yeah. been like, he's he's the popular jock who's also the head of the class and dating the prettiest girl, I don't know that I would have this empathy. Yeah. I think I have it because— I mm. wasn't maybe the happiest person in the world when yeah. I was 12 years old. What about you? Does that, <laughs> were, were you uh, that? I mean. Well, I've always said uh, if my father hugged me once, I'd be an accountant right now. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have to do any of this. I wouldn't have to do any of this showbiz stuff. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, did have, I did have an insecurity early, and, and I don't know if that came from uh, the relationship with my father. My father was very undemonstrative, could only kind of show anger, really. I'm not saying he was a horrible monster, but he could get mad at us and discipline us, but couldn't go the other side. And, you know, as a kid, that makes you feel... What am I doing wrong? What's yep. what's wrong with me? Yep. Um, so I don't want to, you know, you don't want to uh, blame everything on somebody, but uh, I think that did kind of mold me a little bit as far as that goes, as far as that feeling, that feeling of of insecurity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he 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 had a rough time, my father. He, and I, I cut him slack because his father left him when he was two, so he yep. he had a he didn't have any role model or anything, but. He, I think, you know, I, I always say, I, I think all performers have something they're missing from a parent. If it wasn't for negligent parents, there would be no show business. Yes. We'd all have to bowl. We'd all have to join a bowling <laughs> league. Yeah. Because there'd be nothing to turn on and nothing to see. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, apologies to my dad. 
<laughs> but he can't figure out how to work the podcast yet. So uh, is he? Is your father? He's ninety. He's still. Uh, he's, wow. he's you know still goes to work every day, but uh, <clears throat> he keeps saying yes, yes. I want to see this podcast, <laughs> and that explains it all. Historical. <clears throat> but how is he? How's your relationship? Was he? Was he? A- <clears throat> no, no. He was uh, good. Uh, my dad's a very good, sweet guy. Uh-huh. He was. Uh, I think there was just because there were six of us, uh-huh. and we were born like one a year. I think uh-huh. uh, two of us were so born within a three tired. month period. He was yeah. just tired. And uh, yeah. and he worked all the time. So I think he yeah. was. Sometimes he was like this character that we didn't quite know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who'd yeah. come into the picture, and um, and there was a there's a lot of chaos, uh, joy joyous chaos. Yeah. But I think there was. Uh, <clears throat> I was born with probably a certain amount of anxiety too. Hmm. I think it's just in the family. We're an anxious people. Yeah. The Irish. I always thought the Italians were more laid back, but they, oh, really? You think so? I don't know. I thought you guys. Yeah. Well, I we're did. loud, and you know. Yeah. Well, loud does. <laughs> doesn't mean you're nervous, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Right. I think we— uh, I'm an exception, I guess. Then. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, you're an erotic Italian man. We're going to take a quick break. Oh, we do that? Yeah, we do that so that uh, we can sell mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. (laughs) California, Sona. No matter where you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So, Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it it down I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. Okay. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone <laughs> cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's <laughs> happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less 
filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. All right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. We're back sitting here with uh, Ray Romano, who's curious why Sona and Gorley aren't chirping in. Sona, why are you so quiet? I, I like listening to the two of you talk. I have nothing to contribute. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I mean, I, how do these podcasts, how do they usually go? Is it this, usually a group discussion? Way. No. Yeah. They usually oh. go this way. Uh, yeah. It's not. I have them here um, basically as a tax write-off. That's <laughs> true. Uh, yeah. Gorley is listed as a dependent. That's right. <laughs> hey, Dad. <laughs> no, it's funny because, you know, I was talking to, uh, you know him well, one of my longest time writers and really good friend, Mike Sweeney, today. Yes. And he said that uh, he saw you the first time you went up and did stand-up. The really? first time you got up, he was there. And he said that you did well right away. You were just funny, that you took to it like a duck to water, and that that was everyone's take on you. Not that you didn't struggle, not that it wasn't hard, but just there are some comedians that go up and they have to bomb for a long time but before I did. they crack you know it. I did, though, right? I, I did. I just, I, I, no. The, the, no, the I, consen- he's right about the, the first con- night. The consensus seems to be that you, that you, uh, but I have you my, did less bomb. I have my, well, First of all, if he was there on night one, yeah, I know night one went went well. Yeah, it was audition night at the Improv in New York, and I was twenty three maybe, and and I started thinking, I have this, I got this, and I think night two it went well also, and I really was overconfident, and night three was a bomb, same material, same thing, just cold, cold stone cold bomb. So much so that it scared me away for a year. I quit for a year. And then I went back again, and then I quit for another year. Oh, my God. And it wasn't until the third attempt that I stuck it out. Because, you know, the hardest is the beginning. It's like a boot camp that you have to get through because you're not good. You're, you're not uh, uh, honed. Everything You're learning, and you're learning in front of the worst audiences because you're the, they're the new guy, so you got to go up at 1.30 in front of five people left who are drunk. That's how you have to learn to become a better comic. You know what's funny is, first of all, one thing was I remember Leno saying, you're not really as good as you're going to be till six years in. And I remember hearing that in my third year, and thinking, well, that's bullshit. I'm I'm good right now, you know. And but he was right. The fourth year, I would look back at tapes of the third year, and I, and I was better, and and so on. And so that's the same. How you got better, you know, hosting the show is the same way a stand-up comedian gets better in front of the audience. There's gigs where you have to bomb. You know, there's classic, uh, legendary, horrible gigs. Betty's, uh, Mike can tell you, Betty's Fireside was a was a one nighter in Jersey that used to be a strip club, and, and it was. <laughs> And you would do it because it was so horrible. Um, yeah. Uh, so you in, in like a masochistic way, or no? Well, you would do it because it was a it was a Wednesday night, and they were going to pay you a hundred bucks to go, so you do it. But it was like earning your stripes, yeah. But it was what made that such a bad place? Because well, I mean, the setup was it was a strip club, so it was a horseshoe shaped bar. Yep. The patrons stood. There were no chairs. Yeah. Stood. You were on the inside. The bartender was like at your feet, you know, facing that way. And they would have the, a big screen TV, not with the volume on, but with, <laughs> yeah. the volume was off. But they were, right. and, and they became part of it knowing how bad this was going to be for the comedian. So it became like a thing, yeah. But, now, but could, I, you, could you have fun? Could you have— I was just about to tell oh, you. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just about to tell you. I think you're getting to this. Yes. This sounds strange, but some of the most, most fun I've had on stage— 
are on horrible nights. Yep. Bom- bombing nights. And not particularly that one, because that one, no one's listening to you. But like in the comedy cellar, when it would be late and there'd be 12 people left and they're they're not giving you anything. And yet it was so, I, I felt so comfortable and for every non-response they gave me, I had a response for that, yep. you know? And, and even if they didn't laugh, I knew it was funny and I just felt comfortable. Now that comes from many times having to experience that that type of situation. I wonder now, because now, it's like you say, the audience just gives it to me now for 10 minutes, and then you got to be funny. But I'm playing, I'm playing theaters, I'm playing games. I wonder now if I would be that comfortable in a situation like that where, where you've, you've got to, you know, uh, uh, duck and weave, you know? Well, it's funny because I was... I agree with you 100% that I will say it's not the most fun. The most fun is when it's an audience where you're destroying. Yes, and you and feel it. Yeah. And you feel it, and everything's liquid and just, I always feel in those situations, if there is some small amount of cancer in my body, it's gone now. <laughs> like, this has, this has a curative effect. I've always thought that, you know? Yeah. Run me through an MRI after I'd been in front of a crowd and I don't mean a crowd that's just wooing, but yeah. a crowd that's smart and they really are yes. appreciating what I'm saying. And it's we're all one. That's fantastic. I'm always hungry. I'm always hungry after a good. Yes. Set. Yeah. 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 You want to uh, eat because it's the same. It's the hunter warrior. Yeah. You want to. You want to eat a mastodon afterwards. Yeah. But what happens is after uh, the I would say the next fun going down the list is when. You're really getting nothing. Sometimes it's freeing. That's how I feel. Mm. I feel like there have been audiences. I remember on the old late night show once there was an audience. We had booked a band that had like this hardcore goth following. And they all jammed the switchboards or something back in the day when there was a switchboard. They all figured out, all the fans figured out a way to come see that band that day. And they filled the late night studio in Rockefeller Center, just filled it, packed it. These goth fans that didn't give a shit about me. And this was the late night. This is a couple of years into late night with uh, Conan O'Brien. And I come out and the show is now doing well. And I come out and I felt it right away. They had, they're all wearing black and they're all there to see the band, and they're just waiting for the band. And this is when I would do the warm up, and they were like, "When's the band on?" You know, they had this "When's the band on?" asshole kind yeah. of feeling. And I'm the host of the show, and I just started to. It was they just stared at me in the monologue, <laughs> and then I just sort of started to enjoy it. Yeah. And I can't remember. I wish I could remember the name of this band, but I just started to enjoy it and did you address it did you, t- did I you think tell I, the viewing audience I or? started to yeah. make a lot of comments I didn't say they're here to see the band and they right. hate me because I, I don't yeah I think that's only almost feels rude to me to do that yeah but I sort of started communicating to anyone in the world who could notice this silence I wasn't talking to them anymore right. I was talking to and in those situations I'll talk to if I have a friend or if if I have anybody in my world, my wife's there, anyone's there, or one of my writers is there in a situation where I said I'd do something and it's not going great, I almost start talking to them. Yeah. Not directly, but I get a smile on my face and it's my way of saying, this is a new, this is a, a level of hell that Dante <laughs> never even knew existed. And it's fascinating. Yeah. I didn't know this room in, existed in this house and there's all these dead bodies in here and there's blood on the wall. I mean, just yeah. this, and, and, and I, I get kind of mischievous about it and, yeah. and, and, f- and have fun and you get giggly because it's so bad. You're, and you're, but also you're, Giggly, because you're in this zone, right? You're in this right. different zone all of a sudden. But that's what I, I almost want to do that just to see if I still have that ability to bomb gracefully. How do I make that happen? <laughs> I can help you. <laughs> but I still worry that that's going to happen when, when there's a corporate gig or something. And I, I haven't done a corporate gig in a while, but also they pay pretty good. <laughs> so you're also, if if it doesn't go well, you're getting a lot of money yeah. to be disappointing to them. Yeah, <laughs> yes. You know? yeah. yeah. I remember once, it's all relative, when I was still just coming up, some guy saw me in a club, and he, he's an Italian guy, he's having a big Italian wedding, you're going to come and you're going to perform. I'm like, all right, and he was giving me $1,000, which was tremendous at that time for me. And I, it was in Long Island, it was some catering hall, whatever, 
and he s- stood me up there on no no stage, just the dance floor. It was in between the cannolis and the whatever, and I, I did it. And it was nothing, nothing. And he's there kind of, <laughs> you know, looking at everybody else. And it was such a bad feeling. I, I did my time, whatever. And he came back. He goes, it's all right. You know, the people who the people who should get it, they got it. And he just peels off 10 to 100. Don't worry about it. One, two, three. Wow. And I have my hand out like this. And I just knew, I knew this was going to be a gig where it's not going to be set up right and I just thought, I, I, I don't want to do those anymore. I right. don't want to do those. No, because there's no, uh, yes, if you're fa- if you needed to put food on the table for your yes. family, well, that, then yes, then you'll go and you'll do it. But right, right. The, my line about comedy is when it, <laughs> when it goes really well, I'd happily do it for free. Right. And when it doesn't go well... I would rather dig a ditch with my bare hands. Yes, and, yes. And, and then that's this weird, talk yeah. about back to dichotomy, that is a weird thing where yeah. when it's going really well, I don't care it's that much work. about it's the money. Fun. It's not yeah. work. Yeah. And when comedy is not going well, you feel like something ate at your intestines yeah. and, and opened a wound that's going to fester. It's just... Uh, so, some, sometimes people, uh, like, like you did it in the beginning of, of how hard I work and all... And when I get credit for, because I would go in the city every night, six nights a week at least, I would drive from Queens into the city and do sets five months, Fridays, seven on Saturday. I had that reputation of being such a, a, a dedicated hard worker. And I felt guilty getting that reputation because it was, it was fun. Yeah. It was, yes, sometimes it got a little grindy jumping back and forth. But I was doing what was great. It felt great. Yeah, yeah. what you're here to do. Yeah. But you know what I miss? This is going to, I don't want to um, sound selfish or whatever, but I miss when you could go on. The, one of the greatest feelings in stand-up in the beginning is going on in front of an audience that has never heard of you, never seen you. They've paid their cover. You're the next guy. And, and it's like that attitude of, okay, who's make me laugh, this new guy. And maybe it's a little hard in the beginning, and you win them over. Mm-hmm. And you win them over, and you have a great set in front of a room full of strangers. Now, uh, I'm, I'm not complaining. That's not going to happen, <laughs> in this country at least, because it's like you said, everyone's giving me the benefit of the doubt now. But that was one of the joys of stand-up for me in the in the beginning, was just winning over this new room of strangers. And that will never happen. It's still fun. Still Stand-up is still great, and doing new material is still great. But that element is... I'm going to say three words to you. Radical facial surgery. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I'll tell you Ladies what, as I get here older... He, here he is, Jay Dobano. Uh, if you I come could, out, you've got uh, weird, a lot of scarring, yeah. a lot of dermabrasion, a different nose. No, like, uh, who was the guy that Andy Kaufman did? Uh, oh, Tony yeah, yeah, Clifton. Tony yeah, Clifton. Tony Clifton, yeah. Yeah, and you come out and... Uh, well, what if it ended up looking like Jay Leto and people just thought you were Jay Leto? Yeah, when he went. Yeah. <laughs> but if I... You know what? I'm sure I could get a room full of 18-year-olds who have never heard of me, but I can't make 18-year-olds laugh now. So also, that. when you go around at your age saying, get me a room of 18-year-olds, <laughs> it sounds bad. It just sounds bad. Um well, this was great. Uh, I was it. Yeah. No. Yeah. See. See. Look. Look at you. Fix look, it in post. Look at you. You're. It, but it's that's the voice. I bet. Right. This is. Yeah. This is a a lovely conversation with a really funny, good man. Following that, Michelle Kennedy. Is it Michelle Obama? Did we follow I don't know. Michelle? I don't know. Is yeah. she, is, this is the next. This is this the is one the after time. Michelle Obama. Yeah. And she killed. She I had was going to say, who's, who's listening to Michelle and saying, now I want to listen to Ray Rock? Who's getting enjoyment hearing a full podcast with Michelle and is going to get the same enjoyment listening to me? Who's doing that? There's four people. <laughs> We've run the numbers. And they're, yes. they're very loyal followers. <clears throat> One of them's Barack Obama. Yeah. Well, what was funny was uh, Phil Rosenthal, who met Michelle and Barack when he was running the first time, and he said, I, I created everybody was Raymond. And she said, she she pointed to him and went, he's Raymond. He's Raymond. Yeah. <laughs> See, there you go. I know. How cool is that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for doing All this. Right, You're thank really you. uh, this was this was lovely. 
It's fun. It's Sorry lovely. you guys didn't get in as much. No, we're just here. No, for it's support. they're really just here. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's. He uh, said more than you. He said, "Let me move the mic." <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, if yeah, we Adam's get on next. too much, he beats us when the guest leaves. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, it's not right. a physical beating. No. It's, a, it's verbal abuse. Is yeah. what I'm good at. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, man. This is fun. Yeah. All right, Ray Romano, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Fix it in post. Fix it. I gotta say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit! Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever, okay? Okay. But lately I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do partner events where you can build on each other's boards and crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for, or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. (laughs) There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts or money sprees that have fun new mini games. Plus, with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now, free on the App Store and Google Play. Conor Brian Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self Setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest Doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security as the intelligence of Google, well, <laughs> you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. Post. Hey, let's get to some voicemails, huh? Talk to the people. Oh, my God. What character did you just become? (laughs) Okay, Corky. Oh, God. It's the late 50s, and we're doing a daytime show here. Let's get to it. President Eisenhower's on the phone. I have Eisenhower's phone. What? What do you mean you have Eisenhower's phone? I own Eisenhower's phone. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. I have the documentation, asshole. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) When you get spicy, I get intrigued. (laughs) Wait wait a minute. You have... Dwight D. Eisenhower. I do. The man who gave the okay for the D-Day invasion. That's right. The man who served two terms. Mm -hmm. 1952 to 56. 56 to 1960. Yeah, commander of the European theater. That's right. My God. I know. How do you have his phone? You and I have more in common than you know, but you never inquire about me. Uh Uh-oh. You can't (laughs) see this right now, but the smallest tear is forming in the corner of his left eye. (laughs) And you know what? It's a... Kind of a hipster tear. Oh, God, this again. Yeah. No, this again. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's a little tiny tear, and uh, it's wearing a little fedora. <laughs> you have a skinny tie with a, a tie bar on. No one can see that, and I deny it. Okay. Uh, tear has a fedora. It is. His, his, his tear has a fedora, and, it likes, yeah. and his tear likes craft beers. Yeah. His tear is holding a little tiny craft beer. Yeah. It's listening to Father John Misty. Exactly. Um, okay, so wait a minute. How do you have Eisenhower's phone? I bid on it, and I bid on it because I thought, I will never win this. 
and I want it. That is so it, cool. With, I mean, Will you bring it in? Can I see yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Is it? Do do you use it as a real phone? It, uh, it probably it, doesn't work well. The, the cord does, is frayed at the end, you so it doesn't have a plug. Fixed. I could, yeah. right. but I don't have a landline. Oh, right. Yeah. Wait, you, go ahead. You're making a judgment. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, what are you going to say? Yeah. Whatever. I think you just did it yourself. <laughs> I'm not some hipster. I don't have a landline. Was this his phone at home? It was from his summer White House in Newport, Rhode Island. But while he was president. Oh. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Uh, is it a rotary dial phone? It doesn't even have a dial. It's a hotline. It's a green, like, bell, plastic, you know, one of those. That's really uh, fascinating. Uh, I love... Stuff like that. Me I'm too. a crazy fanatic for presidential memorabilia. Andy Richter gave me a really old phone that I have on my desk. The only problem I've is that, that when I go to talk on it, it doesn't sound great. It actually sounds like you're talking in a different era. Oh. So the electronics aren't as good as the electronics today. So when I talk on that phone, I tend to say things like, you there? <laughs> yes, there's been a fire over at McCready's barn. <laughs> yeah, send the fellas over. What's that? I'm at Wrigley, 525. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it then. Just take the, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's it, it, You get in that mode, but I love yeah. it. It's like one of those great old Bakelite phones. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, I thought you might. Bring it in. It. I want to see that Eisenhower phone. Okay. Oh. Yeah, bring it in. I'm sorry. Oh my God. It's, we're gonna get, we are trying. shit magnets over here. He was really trying to care. I'm sorry. Uh, no, you don't have to I care. I think it's neat. I have I David, David Koresh's guitar. Oh my gosh. That's, yeah, that's, that's another story. What? That's dark. That's dark. Oh that, my that, God. That one I did not do on purpose. That, you said to me like, oh, I'll get hey, you huh? back. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that that wasn't a charming thing? <laughs> All right, let's do a voicemail. Well, number 19, if you will. Hi, Conan. This is Matt from Ohio. I love the podcast. Good name. In the first episode, you asked the listeners to fill out a survey to learn more about your audience. And then for the next five episodes, I heard ads for erectile dysfunction and back hair removal systems or blades. (laughs) Uh, My question is, is this what your audience is really like? Thanks. Bye. Well, Matt, that is a fair question. I don't think we're doing those ads in response to anything. Those are ads we probably signed up for because we're a relatively new podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I think the assumption by somebody who heard that Conan O'Brien was going to have a podcast and signed us up early for ads probably said, well, those people probably don't have working penises <laughs> and probably have a lot of hair on their low back. <laughs> Because I'm just guessing that's the kind of person who watches Conan. Uh, I don't think it actually reflects who is listening to the podcast. No negative thoughts towards those ads because I think those are very good uh, products. I've used both of them. Uh, uh, I'm just making noises now. He's staring at me again. He stares at me. Uh, Anyway, Matt, I honestly don't know. And this is where I maybe could use a little guidance here. I don't know how these ads are chosen. I'm new to all this. This is a brand new podcast. And I know when we first launched it, Mr. Gorley, maybe you could tell us how these ads were were chosen or were this just the ads we got? Yeah, I'm more on the creative side. I'm not a numbers guy, but uh, (laughs) my understanding is that salespeople sell these ads to companies and they sell a certain amount of slots and we're trying to even sell bigger slots so there are less ads, if that makes sense. But right now, a lot of companies are buying smaller ad buys. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Can I just say that uh, our podcast overperformed what people expected? That's right. I I would say wildly overperformed. I don't toot my own horn often, but uh, podcast has done quite well. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> but we're still uh, re- doing a lot of these smaller ad reads, which will probably not go on forever. That's right. Now, to get to your point, Matt, I am always going to do erectile dysfunction ads, even if I don't get paid for them. <laughs> I'm going to do erectile dysfunction ads. These are things I happen to be f- fascinated with. What noise? I'm just making noises. And then uh, back hair removal. That was very gold bloomy. Yeah, well, he's a big influence on me. Listen to that podcast. Uh, Back hair removal, uh, that's, it's a great system because my way of getting, I get just a tuft on the low back where the back doesn't yet quite meet the buttock, the low back area. Uh That was, you asked, Matt. Uh You asked, so I'm going to get into it. So my old way of dealing with it was to use a regular razor and set it on a counter (laughs) and with the rotating blade pointed out and then I would put on the uh, bathing suit and I would pull it low and then I would back up 
into it and uh, shave this tuft of, and I'll be honest with you, I have an orange, it's like an orange orangutan, (laughs) coppery colored uh, body hair. And I will back up into it and then undulate my low back until I felt the thip, thip, that's T-H-I-P, thip, thip of little chunks of orange coppery hair hitting the tiles of my bathroom floor. That was what I was doing until that incredible back hair removal system. Just get that tattooed on my hand. What? Huh, what's that? Okay, let's everyone take it easy. Let's just back away from the microphones. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsession and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Special thanks to Jack White for the theme song. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and the show is engineered by Will Beckton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in, like you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life.